You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm going to be doing an episode basically on my story. So I want to introduce myself to to you guys and tell you a little bit about who I am, how I got to where I am, and uh, obviously why I'm able to help you guys out and give you some advice and so forth. The goal of this podcast is really to to inspire and to educate. So uh, I'm hoping that you know, these episodes resonate with you. And this one specifically, uh, I'm hoping it can inspire different people um, that are listening, whether young or old, to to pursue their dreams and to kind of follow a path that may not be the easy path or the path that's, uh, you know, what most people do, just kind of the unbeaten path, which is, I feel like what I did in my career, I I just kind of took some chances and did a whole bunch of different stuff. And it just, it brought me to where I am today, which is just a place where I'm very happy and I'm very excited excited to, to be meeting different people and working and doing different things that are challenging for me. So on a career level, I'm, you know, uh, I can't really complain about any step that I've chosen to take because it's been a whirlwind. Um, I don't even want to say how many years, but it's been close to 20, 20 years that I've been kind of working in, in different careers. So I did want to tell you guys a little bit about myself and how I got here. Um, so I'll start really with the beginning and you know, who I am, my background. I'm born and raised in Canada. My parents are Greek immigrants. They immigrated to Canada before they had me. So I, you know, I, I get a lot of references to to uh, that famous movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. My parents, yes, are very much like that. They actually speak uh, no English or French, which is the official language in uh, Quebec where I'm born. And, you know, my whole childhood, I, it was always a big challenge for me um, because I felt like I was, you know, at, at some points, you know, the the adult sometimes in the relationship because I'd have to translate and do a lot of stuff for my parents, uh, a lot of stuff that kids didn't have to do. So, you know, just having that kind of upbringing at first was frustrating when I was a kid because it was like, well, why can't, you know, my parents do this or, or that or, uh, you know, uh, communicate with other people's parents and, and so forth. But I do have to say that growing up uh, in that type of household and in that type of environment just kind of made me a little bit more of a hustler. It it made me understand different people's perspectives. And um, I always say that I know how to speak immigrant. So whether somebody's Asian or uh, from a different country in Europe, I feel like oftentimes I'm even if they don't speak a language that I speak, I'm able to kind of communicate somehow with them just because I was always able to understand my parents uh, and and communicate effectively with other people. So I was kind of a little bit of a translator. So that kind of, you know, being from an immigrant household and where my parents were almost forced to be entrepreneurs because they didn't speak English. Um, So it was hard for them, obviously, to get a job, except for some factory jobs and so forth. So they went into business. They had a lot of different businesses, you know, always like restaurants or 7-Elevens or anything kind of service related. And that kind of gave me my first insight as to being an entrepreneur. And I always loved it. I always loved, uh, you know, seeing how much money um, you can make or having that freedom and so forth. Obviously, there was a lot of challenges, but 
ultimately, uh, being an entrepreneur was always in my blood. I always wanted to do it so much so that when I was 13, I just decided that I wanted to make some cash. So I went outside the Metro. They had those like posters where you kind of rip out a number and it, you know, for a job or so forth. Uh, it was back when I was a teenager in the nineties. So, uh, that's how I, I used to get jobs. I just used to walk around the neighborhood and so forth and just collect some numbers and call random people and tell them that I'm available to work. Um, obviously I was very young. I was only 13. So I answered this ad from a guy that basically was asking for, for kids to sell flowers door to door to make some cash. Uh, I answered the ad, which was pretty crazy. Cause we got like, there was like a whole bunch of us, maybe like 10 kids that were, you know, young teenagers. We'd hop into a van and then this random guy would just give us like buckets of flowers and we'd drop us off in different parts of the city. And then we had to just sell them just straight up cold sales, which is such a great experience because I actually really, really wanted to make money. So I always tried to figure out how to talk to people, how to get people's attention, how to get people not to walk away. It was almost like, it, it almost felt like I was begging for money at some points because, you know, I'm just sitting there with flowers and 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 uh, trying to get people's attention so they can give me a couple of bucks so I could sell them a rose and, and you know, kind of make a couple of bucks for myself. But that was a really good education. And I always, you know, encourage young people to to go into sales because it's, it's, it's really such a great way to get a start in your career is to understand how to market yourself, how to sell things, how to, you know, make yourself uh, the center of attention if you need to. Obviously, when my mom found out what I was doing and going into a van and selling flowers in random parts of the city, that was cut off. And she told me that I was no, no longer to do that. So I kind of waited a couple of years uh, before I start my career. And I had a couple of odd jobs, pizza places and so forth. I kind of moved on from there. I was always very ambitious and I always wanted to make a lot of money. It was just something inside of me. I always, you know, money was a part of, you know, um, almost like a tally of how successful I would be. So it was always like, get a better job, make more money, uh, move up, get a promotion. So when I was 18, I decided that, um, you know, I should go work into customer service. It was a hot job back then um, in Montreal. There was a lot of call centers and a lot of, you know, companies paying some decent amount of money to get people to, to uh, be call center agents. Through one of my friends, I learned that uh, at that point it was called ClearNet. And now it's TELUS, which is one of the biggest uh, telecoms here in Canada. Canada was hiring uh, agents at, at about 16 bucks an hour, which for me at that point, 16 bucks an hour was insane. I was like 18. I was making six bucks an hour taking pizza delivery orders. It was like I was going to double my income overnight just by working somewhere else. So I was really adamant about getting this job. Uh, unfortunately for me, they wanted full-time staff and I had to be part-time because I had, I really also wanted to continue my schooling and go to university and do all that fun stuff. So I hounded, like hounded that um, hiring manager, called her every day, uh, told her I would work nights, I would take weekends, I would take any shift, any shift that she could give me except for, you know, some of the daytime hours because I couldn't because I was in school. It took about two or three months. And finally, due to my persistence, she called me and said that they decided to hire a part-time class so of of to train some customer service people um and they essentially i was one of the lucky ones out of the 15 people that they hired um i got hired went from like six bucks an hour to 16 bucks an hour which was freaking like the best day of my life i cried when i got my first paycheck because i had just never worked 
you know, the same amount of time to make that much money. It was such a big milestone for me. Uh, but then, you know, moving along, I finished my schooling and kind of, um, I studied in it, I studied in business. I, I wasn't really sure. Like a lot of people, they just kind of go to school to go to school. I just wanted to make my parents proud. Uh, you know, daughter of immigrants getting a, a university diploma. It was always a, a really big thing. So I studied, finished schooling and then was like, what the hell do I do now? <laughs> no freaking idea. I just started randomly applying to different jobs that were posted at the school. And finally I came, uh, I started doing some networking events uh, and I came across a, a job which had like some database admin uh, duties and, you know, a little bit of training, a little bit of kind of technical and um, training aspects. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, and one big thing was it was a, a position where I had to travel to a lot of different places all, all across the States and, and Canada. So I was like, perfect. I was young. You know, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to travel the world and so forth. So went on and uh, joined that that company. Just zero experience, had no idea what the hell I was doing. Walked into the hiring manager's, my ex-boss's uh, office, and she asked me, you know, what are your salary expectations? I was like 22 years old at that point. I'm like, I don't fucking know what I'm going to, what am I worth? Like, like 20 bucks an hour, 25. Like, I don't even have no idea. I've never done this before. So I just threw out a number. I said to her, um, you know, $50,000 a year, just kind of waiting to see what she was going to say. She said, done, stamped it and said, you're hired. Um, let's, I'll see you next week. And I was like, what, what the hell? So I was, uh, you know, it, it was my first foray into kind of understanding how to negotiate and what I'm worth and what I can say. It was, it was super surprising for me because it was like, well, what if I would have said $70,000 or 80,000? It was, it just, I took a stab in the dark at a number that I liked at that age. And at that point in my career, and I got it. And it was like almost a double-edged sword because it was like, well, could have, maybe I could have gotten more or I could have, you know, negotiated something different, but it was still a really big, uh, big step for me as my first, you know, kind of real-time job, real career in my early twenties to, to go and get such a, you know, pretty, pretty good salary, to be honest, uh, for that time. Then obviously I did that for a couple of years. It was fun, but it took a toll on me in terms of, you know, uh, the traveling. It was just like an intense travel. I had to like literally be out of the, the country um, and out of home for sometimes like weeks at a time, uh, more than half the year I was gone. Um, so I was kind of looking for something else. And I said, you know, I got this, I'm, I'm done. I thought I wanted to travel the world and I did, but it's just too much. I need a home base. I'm, I'm willing to kind of stop the travel and, and try something different. Um, so I was talking to one of my pals at that point and uh, telling him this and saying, you know, I just I think it's time for me to, you know, look for something else and kind of go elsewhere and, and try a different challenge and stop traveling so much, like travel a little bit, but not, not at the intensity that I was doing that. So at that point, my, my friend uh, was starting to work with a couple of guys and they were starting a company. It was a web company. I had no idea what they were doing or whatever, but he was telling me some, you know, mumbo jumbo, about SEO and, and, uh, and affiliate marketing. And I was like, I have no idea what he's talking about. I, I have never done any of this, but it was intriguing to me because I mean, right then it was like the early 2000s, you know, we were kind of like the internet was really gaining steam. Um, and it was like, well, you know, this is something that I should know. I should kind of learn 
all this stuff and figure out, you know, what is affiliate marketing and, you know, what is the next marketing 2.0 after, you know, print ads and, and all this stuff. I said, you know, it sounds intriguing. So my, my friend didn't actually tell me what it was. He just said, you know, this is what we do. And I was like, okay, well, let's keep talking. Let's keep talking. So we just kind of met up a couple of times, had brunch, uh, had drinks and so forth. And after a little while, uh, you know, I just said, Hey, by the way, what is it that you're marketing? Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, how are you guys choosing products or services and so forth? And, you know, his face turns beet red and says, well, we've decided that, you know, one of the best products or the best things we can do is, um, is porn adult. Uh, basically it's, it's, it's booming. There's tons of money to be made. So we've decided to focus on our efforts on that. And it's like, so far, uh, you know, we're making a ton of money and, and, uh, you know, things are rolling really well. And, uh, obviously as, you know, as a young woman and kind of, you know, at, at that time, especially, uh, you know, adult or anything, uh, any, any type of porn materials, you know, still at some point at this point, some people still find it taboo, but, uh, back then it was really like, ugh, internet porn, um, you know, who, who watches that, who does that. So I was, you know, a little bit kind of like, yeah, this is probably not the best option for my career. Um, you know, what are, if it doesn't work out, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? How, you know, how am I going to pivot from, a career in, in a, a business like that. Um, so I toyed with it a bit. And then my friend kept kind of pushing and saying, Hey, you know, you should join us we're, we're doing, we're doing all this stuff. And, and the technology aspect really, really interested me. Cause I was like, you know, who the hell is going to hire me to do SEO or to, to, to learn about this or to learn about affiliate marketing. I have no experience. So, you know, something was kind of telling me, go try this out. It's important. And it, it could give you a leg up. So I, I took the leap. I said, you know what? I'll join in. What's the worst that can happen? doesn't work out in a year. So I'll just take off and find another job, go be a DBA somewhere or do something. Ultimately, I knew, you know, as I was starting my career that at one point I'd be an entrepreneur and I would, you know, own a business. I didn't know what or where or how, but I said, ultimately it's going to be there. So maybe this is just going to get me closer to that path. So, uh, you know, I went on to work there. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Uh, essentially, when I when I started, um, I was the affiliate manager for, we called it the sales department, but it was basically, it was an affiliate manager for uh, an adult program called Jug Cash. So I was just kind of thrown in there, here, be an affiliate manager, start talking to these people. Here's an ICQ ID, just start chatting and figure it out. And I was like, okay. So my first day I'm sitting there and I'm just looking at all these images and all these videos and people are asking me for, for banner ads and how do I get stuff? Uh, how do I put this up here? And I, and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know what people were asking me. Like when they were saying banner ads, I was like, what the fuck is a banner ad? What the fuck is this? How do I, where do I get? So it was like super, super stressful, especially the first couple of weeks. And then just the content of it, it was just, I was, it was something I was not used to. So just kind of watching that all day and not that I had to watch it per se, but, you know, getting images and watching a couple of videos here to see what would fit best for, for this person's niche or that person's niche. And it, it kind of turned me off a little bit. I just didn't want to do that every day. So, um, I went to my friend, uh, at that point and the company's name, uh, was Mansef right now, basically it changed hands a couple of times and became mind geek. But back then I went to my friend who was one of the, the initial owners and said, you know, I can't do this anymore. I got to get out of here. 
here. I got to, I got to go back to my old job or, or, or figure something out. Cause I, I can't look at this all day. So he's like, no, 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 no. You're the one with experience. So the funny thing is at that point, when we started, you know, there was, you know, 10, 20 people there. We were just kind of a uh, small office. And because I had a couple of years of work experience, I was hired based on the fact that first I was a girl, which was good because it was a whole bunch of guys. And secondly, because I had experience, but I literally had like two years of work experience, two or three years. It was really not much. Uh, it was pretty funny that I was considered the one with experience um, out there. But mo- most of the guys that were there had just like finished school and just started this venture and um, and and had never actually worked anywhere. So after a little bit of negotiation, uh, my friend and I decided that it'd be better suited to to maybe do some HR. They were having a hard time finding programmers, developers, designers, all that stuff. Uh, And because I had somewhat of a technical background, I was like, oh, all right, well, let me see if I can do that. I ended up hiring the first 90 people at the company. So, you know, the the main developers, project managers and all that, just because I had that that background, I was able to to filter some of them out. Um, And also, I guess, Maybe just speaking wise, uh, I had a better a, a better way of getting people on the phone and staying on the phone. So one of the biggest challenges of that role is as soon as I tell people, you know, it's an adult entertainment company, click, they hang up, not interested. I don't want to do that in my career and so forth. So yeah, it was definitely you know, again, going back to sales, like really uh, selling myself, selling the company and telling them why it's such an awesome opportunity and so forth. Uh, And I did really well there. I mean, I I excelled. I hired a lot of developers, um, you know, and just different talent. But after a while, again, you know, it was maybe nine months or so, which doesn't seem long. I I literally hired like 75, 80 people or or maybe up to 90 in, in less than a year. It was just an insane process. I was, I was doing it almost like single-handedly with like some help. I was just calling people all fucking day, uh, looking on Craigslist, looking everywhere, uh, working with some recruiters. Uh, it was pretty intense. I mean, we had a really big demand. The company was doing great, especially in like 2006, 2007. So hiring was, you know, our number one enemy, just getting people on staff in time to be able to, to develop more and so forth. So, I mean, once I, you know, once I kind of smashed that and said, you know, I'm, I'm done with HR. I think I've done pretty good. I never really wanted to be in HR. It was just something that I was like, yeah, sure. I can probably do that and figure out how to hire some developers and so forth. I said, what's next? Uh, I just, I don't want to be in HR. So we found somebody to take over the HR department and I was given a project, a two to three week project. It was literally like, you know, let's see where this goes. Do this. We'll find another project for you later. Uh, obviously, the guys, the owners back then really liked working with me. I was doing good work. I was, you know, efficient and so forth. So they wanted to just find stuff to keep me busy. And and I always found ways to keep myself busy actually there because there was always something to do. And, you know, the good part about it is a young team. It was just a whole bunch of like, you know, I would say like tech nerds and just people who are really interested in technology and business and so forth. So there was never, there was never a kind of like, oh, a huge hierarchy where I had to, you know, follow different rules and so forth. It was like, hey guys, uh, you know, we had a little talk. I was thinking of trying this out. What do you think? Yeah. Right. Let's see if it's going to make us some money. So that was the really awesome part about working there was really, you know, the fact that we can pretty much do anything try some stuff out, see if things work, uh, which is, you know, very hard to do in, in some more like tenured companies or bigger companies where, uh, you know, you have bosses and hierarchies and so forth. So that was the fun part of that. So going back to my two-week project, my two-week project was, we've heard about something called merchant accounts, payment processing, 
we have no idea what the hell is going on kind of thing. We were using, you know, third party like CC Bill type Epic and, and those kind of third party uh, platforms that cater to adult companies. Uh, we were paying between 10 and 15% fees. So right off the top, you know, for every dollar we made, 10 cents was gone in processing fees. And then there was another 10 cents in reserve. So we were getting clipped like 20 to 25% of uh, our revenue right away just from payment processing before we paid any bills or any affiliates or anything. So it was a really like interesting challenge is like, how do we get this lowered? How do we, you know, save some more money? How do we convert better? How do we control our order process? It's just you know, let's, let's try to uh, make this better. So, you know, that's what I did for, for, you know, I looked into this project for two weeks, started really looking into it, learned what a merchant account is, how we can get a merchant account. What are the requirements? Uh, back then in like 2007, nobody wanted to get an adult company, a merchant account. Uh, I guess when I started the project, you know, we had already kind of crossed the the seven figures per month in terms of revenue. So it was more interesting versus when we started uh, working with, you know, the third parties, we were kind of a, a small player and nobody really wanted to touch us uh, anyway, except for those third parties. Uh, but at that point, obviously, when you're making over a million dollars a month, you know, selling something, there's always going to be somebody interested. So we, you know, we went to Internext, we started doing some trade shows and we kind of met a couple of people and we were introduced to a couple of people who helped me specifically because I set up the first merchant account, uh, helped me set up the first merchant account and kind of test everything and get everything started. Uh, it was a wild process. I was like this, you know, this two week project now became three, four months in and I was digging into this. Essentially, I, I, it just became a full-time job, to be honest, until I left. That's all I was doing. Payments, merchant accounts, uh, managing risk, chargebacks, or checkout pages. You know, there's the customer service department that I was managing at that point because, it, it, you know, it, it relates a lot to merchant accounts and, and merchant processing. You know, the customer service team has to give a good level of service so you don't get chargebacks, you don't get customers complaining and refunds and so forth. So that two-week project was a two-year position for me over two years. So basically most of the time that I was at Mansef, you know, I was, I was doing that and I optimized all the structures. We went from, you know, 10 to 12% processing fee down to like four, four and a half. Um, I even kind of dug deeper on some of the processors uh, towards the end of my, my tenure there and got like under 4%, which was like unheard of back in those days to be paying those prices for, for processing adult. But obviously we had some good volume and I had a team that I had built to look at chargebacks, to look at trends and to kind of test stuff. So it was really an awesome education. I, I learned everything on my own. So I was being paid to learn. If that's one piece of advice I can give is if, you know, if you're starting something and you want to try something new, well, you know, no matter your age, uh, try to get a job in it. You know, it was like my company was built off of a job that I held because I just, I was paid to learn. Uh, obviously I didn't, you know, I didn't become a millionaire working there or anything, but you know, getting a salary to, to be learning something, a crazy skill, like the, the skill that I learned about merchant accounts invaluable. Obviously I didn't know that at that time. Uh, but then when I left, it was like, okay, well, what do I do now? I'm like, well, you know, I know a lot about merchant accounts. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are also having the same challenges and, you know, need somebody to kind of guide them through it. 
but anyway, before I jump into direct paint it and, and my, my, my career there, I'll tell you a little bit more about my time at Mansef. So Mansef, uh, when I was there in the early years, uh, we launched Pornhub, which, uh, obviously most people on the planet know, uh, it's, you know, probably the most popular tube site for adult content on the planet. So they've come under a lot of scrutiny lately. I can't really comment on, you know, whether these these concerns are valid or not. I do know that I, you know, I left about over 10 years ago. So a lot of stuff have cha- has changed and the company changed hands twice since I left. So uh, the only thing I could comment is, especially on the early days, you know, how exciting it was just to be in that industry, to, to um, be a part of like insane technology stuff that like literally we tested and then everybody copied. It was like, okay, let's do merchant accounts. And all of a sudden everybody started doing merchant accounts. Let's do one clicks. Let's do, you know, uh, cross sales, cancel cross sales, all this stuff. Like we were testing all this different, um, these different strategies and then they would work. And then we would see copycats, which is like super exciting when people are copying things that you're doing on your funnel. It's like, you know, you've made it right. I, I mean, some people don't like it. I have to say that when people copy things that I do, or, you know, especially on the, on the marketing level, it's like, well, you know, I guess I must be doing something right um, since people are, are are resonating. It's resonating with people and they're, they're trying it. So, you know, the, the, the couple of challenges that I had while I was working there is obviously I was quite young. The whole team was young. It was really tough sometimes to, to you know, make like adult decisions, I would say, um, just because we were all quite young and inexperienced. So a lot of times the direction of things were just kind of like, man, eh, let's just try different things and see what happens. It was not as structured, I guess, as maybe one would need at a, at a younger age, but overall, I mean, it worked out because we were some smart people, uh, and we were able to, to push ahead, um, you know, and make, obviously make the company, the, the success that it was you know, why, why did I leave? Uh, obviously I was making, you know, a decent salary there and things were going well and I was learning a lot. I did get to the point right before the initial owners sold, uh, where I started thinking, you know, maybe I want to try something else. Maybe I don't want to be typecast in the adult industry. You know, I am learning a lot about payments. And at that point, a lot of affiliates who were launching their offers and, you know, trying different things at that point, a lot of the adult guys were, you know, guys, guys I say guys and girls, it is a, a very male dominated industry, but, you know, a lot of a lot of people who were in the adult space were then launching supplement offers and ED offers and all this stuff. So I was like, oh, well, this could be an interesting challenge for me is to, you know, not be typecast an adult and start getting some, you know, some knowledge about the supplement space and, you know, uh, you know, in different types of industries. So I felt like at, at that point I left right before the initial owners sold the company. Uh, it was just my time to go. I was I, I wanted to kind of move on and I thought I was ready career-wise to, to, to try something out on my own. Also, I mean, as the company grows, uh, and this, these are some of the challenges, you know, that they're facing now is, you know, when is enough enough? When is, uh, where do you draw the line? How do you, you know, how do you say this is not a direction we're going to go in and so forth? When I was there, um, you know, it was very mainly, you know, it, it was pretty clean. There was not much diversity in terms of the content that was offered. It was really like, you know, Hollywood porn, I guess I would call it. But you know, as, as the years advance and the months advance, you know, there's, you have to be competitive. You have to try different things. So how do you be competitive? You open new markets and, and obviously some of the markets that were being opened up at that point were things that, you know, I was, 
I was not super comfortable with. And at that point, towards the end of my tenure, there was a new CEO and I just, I didn't see eye to eye with him and I didn't see eye to eye with his direction. And I said, you know what? It's time for me to go. Uh, I've gotten some good experience. Uh, I don't want to be typecast in the adult industry. And and that, and that was it. You know, I, I went out on my own. I took a couple of months off, uh, chilled out in Europe, uh, <laughs> just traveled around a little bit and then came back home and said, okay, what do I do? At that point, I hadn't really planned it out very well. So I was actually broke, literally broke. I, I was living on credit because I was just uh, working, making quite a bit of money, but then spending quite a bit of it, like partying, going on trips and doing a whole bunch of stuff. So when I came home, you know, I was living on my own. Uh, I had some bills to pay, you know, I didn't have a family or anything, but I had, you know, I had some expenses, my apartment, my rent, all this stuff. So I, you know, being naive at that point, uh, I was like, yeah, I can do this. I, I was so used to seeing so much money come in when I was at, uh, you know, at Mansef and Pornhub, like just money was coming in and it was like, it felt like, you know, I was, I was a part of a team. So it felt like it was coming in easy, I guess I should say, like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But obviously when you're making, you know, a million dollars, it's easy to double. But making that first 10K, uh, that's that's where the challenge is. Making the first 10K, 50K, 100K, it's it's tough, you know. And and, and I commend people who who got on their own and try it because it's, it's not easy being alone and trying to figure your stuff out. But that's what I did. I just decided, you know, I bought a template on template monster found a domain that was 10 bucks and said let's go let's see what we can do so that's what i did i i um i figured i'd you know to avoid being typecast in the adult industry i said let me try to find some supplements merchants because in 2009 2010 you know 2010 is when i started it was really starting to be really big the whole ed uh space weight loss teas and pills and all this stuff it was really starting to gain a lot of traction selling this online so i said you know this if i'm going to target any industry let me let me go somewhere where you know this is kind of new and and people it's it's the new trend and facebook advertising on facebook back then was cheap it was like really really cheap you could buy so much traffic and you know obviously weight loss offers if you have a mildly interesting story interesting sales letter boom it would convert super quick because there was not much competition so i decided to go that route obviously in 2010 ish you know in the states there was there was a decent amount of offers so i said to myself well what can i do like what can i do to uh, differentiate myself to make some money so what i decided to do was to focus on the European market. So, you know, focusing on the European market was interesting because it was like, okay, well now where, where do I, I don't have any contacts. I had no contacts. All, all, all my contacts were in the adult industry. They were in the States, they were in Canada. So now I was like, okay, this is a challenge. Let me find some European clients. Uh, I had a couple of banks and processors lined up partnerships that I knew that I can refer business to. So I was like, okay, well, this is done. Although, you know, being a, a one person player at the time, it was like, okay, well, are these banks are going to even take me seriously? I'm just this like one person, not a big, huge company or anything. Thankfully, you know, I had built some good relationships, so I had some reliable sources anyway, but it was, you know, I faced a little bit more scrutiny when I was submitting my first accounts and trying to push stuff through. I, I, um, you know, went to the UK, not went physically, but I, I looked into the UK market, the British market to see who was doing what. And I just, I got myself an account on domain tools and I was like, well, let me see what the top five weight loss uh, websites are. And I'm just going to 
fucking target the hell out of them. I'm going to call them. I'm going to find them on Skype ICQ uh, <laughs> for, for, the, for people who remember ICQ. So in the adult space, it was like really, really big to be on ICQ and, and uh, talk to different people. So I was just trying to find people any way I can. I fell upon a pretty big weight loss offer uh, in the UK and hounded uh, hounded some of the staff. I didn't even know who I was speaking to. I just found some people on Skype. I found some people on uh, on social media. I, I, I emailed. I got a response. I got a positive response. Um, this was probably a good nine to 10 months after I started my company. So I literally went 10 months without any revenue whatsoever, which was extremely difficult as I was used to kind of, you know, making uh, some decent money at, uh, at uh, Mansef. So I, I left and I found these, this British customer. Finally, we were talking and he was talking to me about some challenges that he had with payment processing. I'm like, great, I can even help you not only just get merchant accounts, but I can help you strategize. You know, I built the whole infrastructure, the payments infrastructure uh, at uh, Pornhub, Mansef. You know, it was always more recognizable to say Pornhub just because people kind of knew that brand versus the, the company. So he seemed pretty interested in, in kind of working with me uh, with very little, you know, other than conversations. So it's just really funny. He he said to me, oh, you're in Canada, right? I said, yeah. He goes, well, I'm going to be in New York next week. Come meet me. And, you know, if we hit it off, then I'll give you the contract. And I'm fucking thinking in my head, I'm like, he's in going to New York. I live in Montreal. I mean, that's a flight. That's It's not like I can just hop, skip and be in New York tomorrow. But I was like, this is a fucking opportunity of a lifetime like this, you know, this, this, this person is pretty big in, in the industry. I'd never met him. All we had done is spoken on Skype. So really, really <laughs> taking a chance. It's about a six hour drive to New York from, from where I am. So I said, you know what? I got one of my friends and uh, popped her into the car and said, let's, let's, let's head on over to New York. And we're taking a little uh, a road trip. So went to New York met my first client. Uh, he really liked me. He was impressed with my experience. I talked my way into a retainer, which I really needed at that time because I was just bleeding, bleeding money, trying to invest in my company, but not making anything. He liked me so much that he had a meeting in New York the next day. And he's like, Hey, you know, you want to come with me to this meeting, uh, meeting with an ad agency. And I think you, you know, you can maybe help me out and tell me if they're giving me a good deal and, you know, you understand traffic and, and affiliates and so forth. Maybe you can help me out. I was like, well, okay, why not? You know, I was staying at the, like a small hostel in New York. Obviously I didn't tell him that, but um, I was staying at a hostel. I was like, oh, what's another 60 bucks a night at this point. I was indebted by, you know, six figures. Let's add another hundred bucks or so for an extra day in New York. So I, I, I actually just, you know, went with him the next day to to this ad agency, and my life literally completely changed just because of that one event. It's so exciting sometimes to think about how you know you, you take chances in life and you just you just go with the flow and you you see what happens. I went to New York not knowing who I was going to meet, what I was going to do, but I figured you know I'm meeting this person in a public place talk a bit. If it doesn't work out, I had a nice couple of days in New York, go back home, call it a day. I ended up going to a, an ad agency called Azugal, uh, which was a pretty big ad agency. And, you know, they closed down like most ad agencies do. Um, but at that point, you know, they were the hot ticket. I ended up meeting a guy there that 
you know, knew about Pornhub and Brazzers and knew all the owners there. So it gave me a bit of, you know, it gave me a lot of credibility with him so much so that we were walking in the hallway and uh, after we had the meeting and, you know, some negotiation, I was pretty helpful to, to my client, well, my, my new client that I had gotten, my first client, um, that the, uh, the guy from, I think his name was Tommy, actually, Tommy from Azugal was like, you know, uh, let's, let's, let's go, you know, meet this other person and he can help you out. And as we were walking the hallway, uh, there was a guy named uh, Shoe Money. Shoe Money is a pretty known personality. Like he, he was kind of like the first BizOp guy, the, the king of BizOps and, uh, and the, the guy who, you know, I mean, to me, pretty much invented a BizOp offers, online BizOp offers. Uh, we're walking the hallway. I just stop. I turn around. Tommy introduces me to, to Shoe Money. We start talking. Boom. Just got myself my second client. So it just kind of obviously steamrolled from there, referrals and talking to people. And then obviously I gained some, some money to be able to fund the business and, and advertise and go to shows and do a whole bunch of stuff. But obviously the, the, you know, the intro to Shoe Money was pretty pivotal to me because then I was invited to go to, um, he had like a, something called an elite retreat. And he, he really liked me. Shumani really liked working with me and he had some members of his team uh, working with me and they thought I was, you know, knowledgeable in this space. So they invited me to go speak at the elite retreat. Um, and, and from there it was kind of history. I met so many people and, you know, I was in the winner's circle and I knew who to talk to and how this industry worked and so forth. So just a one kind of event that changed the course of pretty much, you know, I guess my life, you know, it's just, it was a chance I took and, and, and I, I'm really happy. And even though I was broke and things were, were really tough at that time, it really helped, you know, propel myself uh, to what I am today, to having a team and, 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 you know, having payment processing options all over the world and, and really working with some of the best marketers in the world. So, you know, take, take some chances uh, and try stuff out. You know, that you just, you just never know regardless of your age. Um, you know, I'm taking a chance by doing this podcast. I have never been on a podcast. I, well, I've been on a couple of interviews. I've done some interviews and so forth, but I've never, I've always wanted to have another platform. So I decided podcasting and I just, I'm just doing it. And, and, you know, whatever comes of it is what's going to come of it. We just have to try and, and, you know, hopefully change somebody's life or, or at least help somebody in their journey. So that's, that's essentially where I'm at. Obviously right now, uh, I'm, I'm managing and, and I own direct paint and we have, uh, clients from all over the world. We work with merchants in Europe, merchants in the UK and the States and Canada, some Asian merchants as well. And we just really help our customers with just payment strategy and optimizing things. It's not just like, here's your merchant account go. I always like to try to see what we can optimize, how we can make people more money, how we can, you know, maybe add different payment modes or slash their declines. So, you know, direct payment is, is, I like to call it a boutique payment firm because we're not just getting you merchant accounts and sending you on your way. I pride myself on, on, you know, uh, having the team kind of understand uh, more than just regular merchant accounts. So having a little bit of affiliate knowledge, a little bit of traffic knowledge, so we can be able to guide our customers uh, and our merchants better. 
So that's essentially the summary of my story. I mean, I'm, I'm always welcome to having you guys, you know, send me any questions or anything that you want to know in specific. Uh, if you want to know a little bit more, you know, about my, my days at Pornhub and at Mansef and just questions about how things kind of rolled out, um, you know, leave some comments, reach out to me. Um, there's a whole bunch of ways you'll see in the show notes, how to reach out to me. Uh, I'm always happy to, to kind of explain my journey and explain how I got to where I am and especially my time at Pornhub, you know, it's, it's something that people are always curious about. I do, you know, kind of in closing and, and kind of uh, going back to MindGeek and, and Pornhub and the issues, the company has, you know, 10 x uh, even, even more so than when the time that I was there. So, you know, all I can do is imagine that, you know, as competition becomes, you know, bigger and you want to get bigger and bigger and bigger, you take chances. Now, you know, I don't, I don't think that it was anybody's intention to to have illegal material or whatever. It could be uh, it could be that it was ignored uh, for any reason. Companies of that of that size sometimes don't have you know specific visibility into into different parts. So I don't think it was it, you know ill intention in terms of you know let's abuse people or let's do stuff like that. I, I do think that obviously uh, as you're trying to be more competitive and gain more eyeballs onto your site and so forth, you take some chances and that's the unfortunate thing that people get hurt. You know, I, I don't support the type of industry. And in my opinion, you know, obviously this is just my opinion, having user submitted content without users being verified and IDs and, and age verification is you know, the industry has to change. It doesn't make any sense that you have, you know, amateurs filming video and and being able to openly post it and then having people download that content. Uh, It just makes no sense to me that that would be something that we would be doing at this point in time. I think there's a space and there's there's obviously uh, a way to make sure that adult content is distributed in a responsible manner and that you know people who are participating in this are willingly participating uh, in making videos and making money and monetizing their content and there's definitely a lot of platforms that do it and I'm and you know Pornhub was and still is a platform that has you know some responsible content and so forth I wouldn't say that you know everything that they did was uh, or or have done is was bad it was just you know obviously there's a portion of it um, and they're gonna have to deal with the the consequences of that but you know there's a lot of platforms out there that are verifying users verifying content making sure things are valid um, and allowing people to post and right now with the economy that we're dealing with a lot of you know, sex workers and people who used to work at clubs um, as, as strippers or, you know, are just finding platforms like OnlyFans and all the different platforms where they can monetize their content and make some money. So I don't disagree with the adult entertainment industry. It's not obviously something that I openly promote, but there's a space for it. There's a way to do it properly. There's a way to to allow people to express themselves in that way without it being dangerous and without it hurting people. So my only hope is obviously that more platforms become uh, responsible and, you know, start verifying users, verifying age, because obviously porn's not going away. uh, And we can't just ban it off the internet and say, you know, you're not allowed to watch this anymore. People are going to find other ways to get their fix. And I do think that the adult industry helps certain people get their fix or, or, you know, fulfill some fantasies and so forth. So, you know, we don't want to take anything like that away, but there has to be some some rules, I guess, or some things that we have to abide by. And, and one thing is obviously verification and um, and ensuring that people's videos are posted and, and then removed. So, you know, having 
having a video on there of yourself that you may have consented to at one point. And then if you want to take it off, you should be able to take it off without it, with a click of a button. You know what I mean? Just like on Facebook or most platforms, if you put up a video or you put a picture and and, and you don't like it, um, you could take it off. And I think it should be done the same way for any, for any adult content platform, regardless of how much your, your video is being monetized or how much money you make. If you decide that you want to take it off, it should just be automatically removed. So I'm, very uh, interested in seeing the the progression and how things are gonna are gonna change in the adult industry. I think that Pornhub being the the, the player that they are, it's gonna change a lot of things um, about the industry just because they're so big and they're so recognizable um, that any steps that they take or any steps that they're mandated to take legally will just change the industry completely. So are tube sites gone? I don't think so. Obviously, there's there's a space for tube sites, but I do think that the industry is gonna move to verified content only, which which I'm I'm not opposed to, or, or I mean paid cams again with you know people who are on the other side of the cam being verified to make sure that age, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're the appropriate age and that they're consenting and so forth. And and there's still a ton of money to be made, even with verified content and verified users and so forth. So I'm I'm not. I'm not worried about this industry. I think that once, you know, there's this hiccup is kind of gone. I, you know, it's, it's a lot bigger than a hiccup. I, and I know a lot of people have been hurt and I'm not, I'm not discounting that. And I hope, you know, everybody, you know, gets what they need to get out of this and, and that we, we all move past this and, and fix this industry and make it uh, more responsible. So thanks again. I really appreciate for you listening to my thoughts on, um, you know, Pornhub and, and the adult industry. But like I said, any questions or anything you want to know, you know, I'm an open book. I'm happy to help you guys out and, and, and explain, you know, my journey or any questions that you have. So feel free to drop me a line. And thanks again for all your time. Uh, have a great day. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 